turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 24. Verse 7. If you would, let's stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. Thankful for all God is doing. Amen. I know He is not done. He is not done. Psalm 24. And verse 7 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. I'm going to preach this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost. Be ye lifted up. Be ye lifted up let's go before the lord in prayer on this sunday morning god we love you god you have been so good to us god you are so faithful in the darkest of times and in the best of times you are faithful you are just you are merciful you are gracious you are kind you are loving you desire a relationship with us. God, I pray that your will would be accomplished in each and every life today. God, I pray that your word would not return void in the hearts and the minds of those who are here this morning. But God, I pray that your will would be accomplished in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. You can be seated this morning. I want you to add it to your prayer list. October 31st, as Brother Pinkerton announced, is All Nations Sunday. And I believe it's going to be more than just another Sunday I can't I can't explain to you what's been happening in my spirit or in my personal time of prayer but I, I believe it's going to be more I believe it's going to be more I believe there are some doors that are opening that we can't see right now but I believe that God is going to move in a mighty way so please be praying specifically for that service that those who are ready for a move of God would be here in Jesus name be ye lifted up Psalm 24 one of my favorite passages of scripture it is a scripture that can encourage it is a scripture that has 
encouraged me in times of hardship, in times of turmoil. It is a place to which I can run and find encouragement. I remember as a young man sitting in Birmingham, Alabama in a, a, uh, a restaurant with an elder pastor and one of the other men at the table asked him, he said, what, what advice would you give to young men, young ministers, young preachers? Uh, and so he, he kind of sat back in his chair and he began to quote Psalm 24. He said, you got to remember to keep your head up. You got to remember to keep your chin up. You got to remember where to focus so on and so forth and and he's right but it's it, it, it means more to me now than it did back then just as a, a young unmarried un I'm still unpolished but I had even less polish back then than I do now uh, but when I begin to read Psalm 24 and verse 7 lift up your heads O ye gates and be ye lift up ye everlasting doors. There is a call and a response and there is, uh, there is a, a call to the gates to lift up their heads. But the response is that the King of glory shall come in. That God is going to respond by what these gates do. The gates are encouraged by David, the psalmist, to not just lift their head as you and I would, would lift our heads. It is that, but it is more than that. David is encouraging these gates to extend themselves, to enlarge themselves. And he's saying because what God is wanting to do is going to be beyond the limitations of where you are right now. He's looking toward the gates of the temple. He's looking toward the gates of the city of Zion. He's looking at the kingdom. And he's saying God is wanting to do a work. But you've got to be willing to extend yourself. You've got to be willing to make room. Even on this Sunday morning, you've got to be willing to make some room for the glorious and impacting return an entrance of the king of glory. He's telling the gates, you've got to prepare yourselves for what is coming because the king of glory is going to come in. He shall come in. So do you want to be a part of what the king of glory is going to do? Who is this king of glory? Is it an earthly king? Is it a Canaanite king? Is it an Egyptian king? Is it a, an Assyrian king? Is it an Israelite king? He's, he, he's, he's saying, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. He's saying it's not an earthly king that's going to be riding in through those gates. It is not an earthly kingdom that's going to be 
exalted. But there is a king who goes beyond the realm of public opinion. He goes beyond the realm of earthly stratospheres and so on. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord mighty in battle. And in true Hebraic form, there is a double emphasis. He repeats it again because he wants the reader to understand this is not something that you should just read and skim over. He said, lift up your head, O ye gates, in verse 7, and be ye lift up ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. He repeats it in verse 9. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. This is not something that you ought to pass over. This is not something that you ought to just brush off. He's saying, listen, God wants to do a work, and he wants you and I to be a part of it, and it's going to take the gates extending and enlarging themselves. It's going to take the gates going under the process of construction in order for you and I to fully see what God wants to do. We've got to get out of the realm of, uh, of physical thinking. We've got to get out of the realm of analysis and we got to step over into the realm of faith. And when I step into the realm of faith, it's then that my faith starts enlarging what my physical mind says is possible what my physical mentality says can happen my faith begins to override and when I get under the unction of the Holy Ghost it's when I realize anything is possible somebody ought to lift up your voice on this Sunday morning double emphasis verse 7 said lift up your heads O ye gates verse 9 says lift up your heads O ye gates he repeats it again be ye lift up even lift them up ye everlasting doors the king of glory shall come in it's a promise who is this king of glory in verse 10? The Lord of hosts. Not earthly hosts, but heavenly hosts. His army is far greater than anything the world has ever seen. It's greater than anything even in the heavens. Say, well, Satan fell. He did fall. And he took one third of the angels of heaven with him. That means that there is double the amount in heaven's army as there is in Satan's army. When the prophet heard the report of his servant, who we believe is Gehazi, he said, Master, the house is surrounded. They've come to kill us. The prophet looks at his servant and he closes his eyes. He said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see that there are more for us than there are against us. And when that 
that prophet's servant opened his eyes. He said it was like the mountains themselves were on fire with the heavenly host. It tells me that when I step into the realm of the unction of the spirit, it does not matter what man can do to me because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's power when I lift up my head. There's power when I be begin to step into the realm of the spirit. It goes beyond the social economic classes of my city. It goes beyond the racial barriers of my city. It goes beyond the status quo and what has always been will not always be because the kingdom of God is stepping into my time. The kingdom of God is stepping into my world and God is saying I want to do a work and I need some dates. I need some points of entry to enlarge themselves. Amazing to me what we do for people that we love. Walking a little stiffer today. It was yesterday was Sailor's sixth birthday. Birthday parties have not normally been that strenuous for me. You eat cake, you eat ice cream, unwrap presents and give hugs. Yeah, take a nap. Not yesterday. Sailor wanted to go to Sky's home. The other day my wife said, hey, are you going to jump? You may not know what Sky Zone is. Let me tell you. It is a large warehouse style building with wall to wall trampolines. Sandwiched in the middle of those trampolines are foam pits. Those of us who are less daring to try tricks on the normal trampoline. Foam pits are a tool of Satan. That once you enter, it is nearly impossible at this size to get out. They suck you down. They remind you of your past when you did not carry so many burdens. I'm fat, okay? Alan, I'm, thank you. God bless you. I appreciate it. I am fluffy. My wife asked me, are you going to bounce? You know what? I am. An hour and a half is a long time. First few minutes on that trampoline, my equilibrium was way out of whack. He said, Dad, I bet I can bounce higher than you. No, you can't. I'm feeling it today. And you make promises and you say things like, Hey, Des, I bet it. they had like one of those Jacob's Ladder things where you it's all wobbly and you try to crawl out and there wasn't a bell, but it's over the foam pit. I told her, I said, hey, if you can get all the way out to the end of that thing, I'll do a flip into the foam pit. When I was a teenager, I did flips all the time on trampolines, not back flips because I was too chicken. Little did I know that the other day she had been there and had crawled out on that thing in back like three or four times. So, Sister Kim, guess what she did? She did it again. 
get all the children out of the way. I had to keep my word. It's amazing to me what we do for, for people that we love and for kids that we want to impress. Why? The kids going to get hopped up on sugar and never remember me at all. They remember the big fat... We do things that we normally wouldn't do for people that we love. David is telling these gates, hey, you need to do some things if you want to be involved in the kingdom. If you want to be involved with the one that you love. The one by whom and to whom you exist. You'll do some things that are uncomfortable. You'll do some things that might cost you some earthly treasure. You've got to enlarge yourselves. You've got to expand. You've got to, uh, to grow. Why? Because I'm making room for the king and he's bigger than my limitations. I've got to enlarge myself. He's telling the gates, you've got to enlarge yourself to make room for him. He's not only admonishing them, but he is extending a formal announcement to the arrival, or of the arrival rather, of a Messiah that's going to stand in great fanfare and triumph in the temple. David is not just writing Psalm 24 as a challenge to us, but he's writing Psalm 24 in a prophetic manner of a Messiah that would be coming. Okay, pastor, then where does that tie into the New Testament? Thank you for asking. I'll let you know. Each of the Gospels have recorded uh, what we now know as to be the triumphal entry. While Matthew and Mark both record the event in very similar fashion in the fact that Jesus had come uh, between Bethany and Bethpage, or little suburbs of the city of Jerusalem on the east side of the Mount of Olives. And, and he, he gathers two of his disciples. He said, hey, go find a donkey's colt, and, and you're going to find it here at a place where two ways meet. There, there's a lot to preach there. It's going to be a little colt that nobody has ever ridden before. Nobody's ever sat on this colt. Now, maybe you don't know. In the American West, they had these things there were roundups, and they would go out and they would gather wild horses because they needed riding stock for ranches. So they would go out and they would gather these wild horses and they'd bring them in and they'd put them in corrals or try to put them in corrals. And there was a specific job on the ranch known as the Bronc Buster. And it was a cowboy that... His duty was when these horses came in that had been used to running wild and had never been sat on, his job was to break them. His job was to put a saddle on them, oftentimes tie himself to that horse and hang on until the horse stopped bucking. That's where we get 
the, the tradition of rodeos. It was a useful occupation back then. They had to break the horse. They had to get the horse desensitized to riding. You weren't just going to walk out into the wild and just jump up on one of those Mustangs and say, hey, baby, I'm here to ride the town. Let's go. As quickly as you got on or quicker, you would be off. And so there's a lot of miraculous things taking place here. The Lord is saying, go and find that colt that nobody's ever ridden on and bring it here. And if anybody asks you what you're doing, all you need to say is, hey, the Lord has need. There's a lot to preach there. Two disciples go. They bring this colt back that nobody has ever sat on before. They take their coats off and they lay their coats on the back of this colt. That in and of itself could have sent that, that colt into a fit. But it doesn't. Jesus gets on the colt. They begin ripping palm fronds off the trees and off the plants and they begin laying them down and throwing them down in the street. And here comes at the base of the Mount of Olives the, the, the group of disciples and they begin shouting, Hosanna in the highest. They begin praising God as God. Begin praising Jesus Christ as the Messiah. That is exactly what David has been prophesying about in Psalm 24. We call it the triumphal entry. The people begin to break out in praise and worship. They're shouting, they're clapping, they're dancing, they're praising God as Jesus rides this colt into the city of Jerusalem. However, the gospel according to Luke does not stop where Matthew and Mark stop. Matthew and Mark stop there. Verse 37 of Luke chapter 19 says, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that, he, that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto him, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. But at the end of his ride, he transitions. The entire atmosphere begins to change. Verse 41, when he was come near, he beheld the city, Jerusalem. It begins to weep over it saying if thou hadst known even thou at least in this thy day the things which belong unto thy peace but now they are hid from thine eyes if you had just listened to what David had said in Psalm 24 if you had grabbed hold of everything that God wanted to do in you and through you Everything that was laid at your table, everything that you could have been a part of, but now it's too late. 
He's understanding as God Almighty exactly what is getting ready to happen. He's saying, listen, there could have been so much more of a revival in this city. You could have experienced so much more than you had. But because uh, you, uh, you, you did not recognize it, for the days shall come to pass that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. You can flip over to the book of Titus. We're not going to this morning, but the book of Titus records the overthrow of the city of Jerusalem where 600,000 people die. Where the temple is torn stone from stone because they knew not time of their visitation. They knew not the time in which the king of glory had visited them with his personal presence. He did not send another but had come personally preaching among them and working miracles, yet they knew him not. Paul said if the princes of the world had known who he was, they never would have crucified him, but they knew not the time of their visitation. After they had put him to death and he was risen again, he orders his disciples to begin their ministry and preach the gospel at Jerusalem and then they continued for some time only preaching to those in Jerusalem and rarely else, elsewhere until they, they begin to go out due to the turmoil and, and the thing, we're not going to preach about that this morning, but just as the gates were encouraged. He said, listen, uh, gates, uh, I want you to know that the Messiah is coming. There's one coming before him who's going to prepare the way uh, and he's going to give you an opportunity to become part of what he wants to do in the earth. Uh, he wants you to have a revelation of who he is and what he is and wh who he wants to be to you and what he wants to be to you. But you got a responsibility to grab hold of the word. you got a responsibility to grab hold of the hammer. you got a responsibility to put yourself in a position of growth to say I will become who he wants me to become I want to get things out of my life that are going to stand in the way of my relationship with God when I make up my mind I'm going to be lifted up that means I'm going to come up from where I am it's time to grow it's time to expand it's time to enlarge beyond the limits of my physical mind beyond the limits of who I think I I am and what I think I am well, that sort of thing's never been done in our city then it sounds like it's a good time to do it I just don't know if that's possible but you don't know that it's not so instead of just living in a constant state of the unknown, David's saying it's time to enlarge the gate. It's time to be ye lifted up. It's time to step out of the realm of comfort and lift up your 
Because there's coming a day as the Messiah came to Jerusalem and wept over it, there is a second coming. And I do not want him to ride over or fly over the city of Huntington and weep over what could have been. I don't want him to look down into my home and weep over wasted potential. I don't want him to look down at my office. I don't want him to look down at my life. I don't want him to look down at my ministry and say, you know what, I gave it to you, but you buried it in the ground. He said, all the while, I'm encouraging you to be lifted up. He said, I don't care that you're not qualified. I will qualify you because I called you. He said, I called you to be a child of God I called you to be part of the revival that he wants to outpour into our city stop worrying about whether or not you're good enough stop worrying about whether or not you're qualified enough honey he'll qualify you sir he'll qualify you he'll put in you in fact if you've been given the gift of the Holy Ghost he said I've given you power to become I've given you power to grow I've given you power to expand I've given you power to be enlarged. Just as the gates are encouraged to lift up their heads. God desires to respond to their work to make room for him. David says, Gates, you got to get ready. Gates, you're the point of entrance and exit. You're part of the wall of defense. You're part of the, you're part of the safety of the city. It's time to order some bigger hinges. It's time to get the old drafting table out and start making some plans. Well, I don't know how it can happen. I don't know either. But what I do know is that if I will respond to the call, he said, I'll do what no man can do. I'll open doors that no man can open. And I'll close doors that no man can close. If you make up your mind, I will become. I am willing to become. I'm willing to put one foot in front of the other. I'm willing to step up and step out in faith. Then let me tell you today, saint of God, he desires to respond. He said, if you'll do it, the king of glory shall come in. Gates are encouraged. You say, well, it's just a building. It's just the city. It's just the gate. Well, the gates were a lot more than that, but the gates were the place that they did business. The gates were the place where they held public meetings. The gates were the places where, where the, the elders of the city got together and talked about city business. And the gates, the gate was the place where where Boaz went to talk to the the kinsman redeemer of Naomi and Ruth. Redemption happened at the gate. A lot of stuff happened at the gate. But even more so 
than just the gates. Psalm 121, the psalmist makes it more personal here. He had been saying, lift up your head, O ye gates. But in Psalm 121, he said, I will lift up mine eyes. It's more than corporately. It's more than than pastor casting vision for the church as a whole. Revival starts with me. Preached it a few weeks ago. Revival starts with me. Revive me. Not me as the pastor, me as the man. Revival starts with me as the individual. Revival starts with you as the individual. He said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. It's the same king of glory. He's saying not only is it good for the gates... It's not just good for the goose, honey. It's good for the gander as well. It's not just good for the ladies of the church. It's good for the men of the church. It's not just good for the leadership. It's good for the saint of God sitting on a pew. It's not just good for the preacher. It's good for everybody. It's not just good for the pastor. It's good for the Sunday school teacher. It's good for the bus driver. It's good for the usher. It's good for the offering taker. It's good for the musician. It's good for the saint of God. It's good for the sweeper of the floor. It's good for the parking lot attendant. I will lift up mine eyes. It starts with me. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth the king of glory. Verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Notice what happens between verse 2 and verse 3. Psalmist is writing from a lower place. You can study it out on your own, but the the language literally, literally indicates that the psalmist is writing from a plane. Not an airplane. Plane. P-L-A-I-N. A low place. A flat place of easy travel but he's sitting sitting down there on the plane looking up toward Mount Zion which is more than the city of Jerusalem it's the place where the throne of God is at saying I'm lifting up my eyes there's a desire in my heart not to stay at this place Talked about it the other day. I'm not satisfied just staying on a plateau thanking God that I'm not where I used to be. Lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. I can see the throne. I can see the presence of God and something inside of me desires to be there. I want to make my way to the throne of the Most High. And between verse 2 and verse 3, the psalmist gets an understanding that he's not just the God of the mountain. He's the God that's going to help me get there. He won't suffer my foot to be moved. He that keepeth me will not slumber go on verse 4 
Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. He's my, uh, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. He's going to be with me. He's going to preserve me from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. Why? Because the gates have already expanded. The gates are ready. The building is ready. He's just got to get some folks that say, I'm ready to move with the mover. I'm ready to march I'm ready to grow he's already preserving my going out and my coming in because the gates have enlarged themselves there's room in the house for you there's room in the house for you to bring your imperfections you don't have to stay down there in the plane until you get it all right. You don't have to stay down there until you've reached the level of perfection. He said, no, the gates are ready and he's going to help you along the way. Between verse 2 and verse 3, the psalmist gets a revelation of the fact that I am not traveling by myself. That God is with me on this journey. It's more than an earthly journey. It's a heavenly journey. It is a spiritual journey. He's made it personal now. In Psalm 100 and verse 21, He that keepeth Israel, He's not going to slumber. He's not going to sleep. He's thy keeper. He's the shade upon thy right hand. You're not going to have to worry about getting dehydrated because you're to stay in the flow of the spirit he's going to provide you shelter he's going to gather you in like a mother hen does her chicks you're going to abide under the shadow of the almighty I will say of the Lord he is my strong tower he's my rock, my fortress and my God in whom I will trust he's the God that said I've given you my spirit now it's time to become now it's time to be lifted up it's time to grow it's time to become it's time to be the man or woman of God that he's called you to be he's going to preserve that going out that coming in from this time forth even forevermore You read that. You read Psalm 24. Be ye lift up, ye everlasting Lord. He said, I need Christian Life Tabernacle to understand today that this journey you're on is not temporary. This journey is not only bound by confines of time and space if we believe that our walk with God is just limited to what how many days we live on the earth we would be thinking small but it is everlasting doors there is a life after death that everything I do here is going to be a part of what happens to me then. So it's more than temporal. 
Lift up your heads, O ye gates. They were the entering and exits of the city. As I'm coming out and as I'm going in, everlasting doors, a promise lasts forever. God wants the writer to understand and experience all that he has for him. He's saying, listen, I will work, but who will let it? I desire to do this thing in your day and in your time using you as my vessel. But I need to know if you will lift up your eyes. It's more than just looking. It's more than just a physical movement of lifting up my eyes to the hills and and just sitting here waiting on God to move. But if I'm going to be lifted up, I'm not just going to look. I'm going to start working. I'm going to start moving. I'm going to start preparing. He shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lift up ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. That word shall does not leave room for debate. It means if you enlarge yourself, O ye gates, if you expand yourself, O ye gates, if you get stuff out of the way, if you clear room, if you enlarge the space, if you get the clutter out of the way, and you start enlarging, then there is a response that is demanded of God, by God. If you'll do this, then the King of glory shall come in. That means he will have to. He must come in. It also means that he will be able to. Which is why after faith that God is, the plan of salvation starts with repentance. I'm making room for God to move. I'm getting sin out of my life. That's why Peter then listed baptism in Jesus' name. Now, not everybody gets baptized before they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and that's okay. I got the Holy Ghost before I was baptized. Because I was a little kid. Five years old. September 11th, 1994, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. My dad said, no, I'm not going to baptize you yet because I don't know that you're ready. So I want to see some, and I wasn't ready. Probably should have waited until I was about 15. Or 25. I want to see some fruit. You're serious about living for God. I got the Holy Ghost. I'll show you. There was room that was made for God to work. And he said, I shall fill that space. This morning, I want to be lifted up. The word shall is used to express a command. 
It's used in laws. It's used in regulations. It's used in directives to express what is mandatory. It's used to express what is inevitable. So, somebody's struggling getting the Holy Ghost. Maybe we ought to stop and we say, hey man, let's repent again. Let's make sure we're getting everything out of the way. Because if everything's out of the way, and I'm not holding on to anything, it's mandatory that God comes. God hasn't made it a choice for himself. He said, if you'll lift your eyes to me, if you'll look up, if you'll make room in your life for me, I shall. I shall not suffer your foot to be moved because I don't slumber. I shall be thy keeper. I shall be the shade on thy right hand. I shall overshadow you. I shall hide you. I shall be your strength. I shall preserve thy soul. I shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in because the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And so if I pray that God's will will be done and I make room for God's will to be done in my life, if I make room for the kingdom to come, then God's will will be done. Let's say you needed more proof, and I'm closing. Pastor, I just think that he's just saying he's just going to lift up his eyes and look to the Lord to be his help. He's doing that, but that's not all he's doing. There's more that's involved when People lift up their eyes. Genesis 13 and verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zoar. See, Lot wasn't just lifting up his eyes and looking at land. He wasn't just lifting up his eyes and looking for a new place to live and a place to avoid strife with with the shepherds and the servants of Abraham, his uncle. When he lifted up his eyes and whatever he lifted up his eyes to, he was making room in his heart for the lifestyle. When he lifted up his eyes toward the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, he lifted up his eyes and he opened his spirit to everything that was going on there in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the next time that you find Lot, he's not just made his home uh, facing Sodom and Gomorrah. Then you find him living in the gates. Sitting in the gates doing business in Sodom and Gomorrah. It started by lifting up his eyes. And then he moved to the gates to do the business of Sodom and Gomorrah. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh, whence cometh my help. Is it any wonder that then he said, Gates, get ready. Because if somebody gets their focus on the kingdom of God, he said they're, they're, they're going to be put into a position of doing kingdom business. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes 
and saw the place afar off. What place? He's got Isaac. He's got servants. They've got a beast of burden. They've got wood. They've got fire. Daddy's got a knife. But dad, where's the sacrifice? Lifted up his eyes and he saw Mount Moriah. He saw the place that God had called him to lay down every promise. He said, Abraham, I need to be willing to, I need to know that you're willing to lay down everything for when I ask you to do it. I just need to know that your heart is in the right place. Abraham made room in his heart for the plan of God, even when it hurt and even when he didn't understand. And God said, Abraham, I will provide myself a lamb for the sacrifice. He said, I, I just needed to know that your heart was in the right place. And when you lifted up your eyes, it wasn't just a matter of staying where you were and lifting up your eyes. But Abraham, you made the transition in spite of the pain, in spite of the inward turmoil, in spite of the unknown, in spite of having every every parental instinct pulling you back. He said, Lord, you've got need for my boy. You've got a need to use my boy. I don't understand it, God, but I'm willing to let him go. And when God understood that Abraham made the journey, he made the transition, he said, okay, I'll step in now and I'll prove myself to you and to your boy. Power when men and women lift up their eyes. They allow themselves to be used for the glory of God. Don't believe me? John 12 and verse 32 as we stand. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He said, I'm going to become the sacrifice. I'm willing to be suspended between heaven and earth. I'm willing to be lifted up. I'm willing to push the boundaries, Jesus is saying, of my comfort zone. Which is why he said in the garden, Lord, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. If there be any other way. He said, if you'll make room in your heart from the earth, if I be lifted up from the earth, if you'll make room in your heart from the place where you are, whatever stage of your walk with God or whatever stage of the kingdom you're at, whatever position you're in or not in, if you'll make up your mind from the spot where you are, I'm going to lift up God. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to make room today on this Sunday morning. I'm going to enlarge the borders. I'm willing. God, I'll pick up my tool belt. I'll clean the house. I'll, I'll, I'll get the garbage can. I'll order a dumpster. I'll clean my home. I'll clean my heart. I'll clean my mind. I'll get everything out of the way that's not pleasing to you I want to make room I want to make room I want to make room he said I will respond I will come in I will work if you'll let it come on that's it I'll be lifted up I'm available 